0: All right, Matthew chapter 5, uh, we've been in a series now, we're in our sixth week uh, on the series on the Beatitudes, and I, I really pray that God has used this in your life to uh, to really encourage you, but also to give you understanding of what it really means to be happy, what it, what it takes to really be blessed as a believer in Christ, because I believe uh, with all my heart that when Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full or have it to the abundance I believe part of that abundance is a joy filled life not joy based off our circumstances but joy that goes well beyond our circumstances that is a settled peace uh, from within us and in order for us to gain that type of happiness to be able to be happy like that Jesus gives us the beatitudes and teaches us how we can be truly happy and so far, we've looked at many of them, many different aspects of them, to be poor in the Spirit uh, and, and, and to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We looked at last week. And today, we're going to look at the next one, and it is merciful. Now, again, if you take each of these characteristics and you look at them, they are completely upside down from what the world would teach. The world would have you understand and believe that to be happy, you would actually have to do the opposite of each of these. Instead of realizing your need to be poor in spirit, you would need to be trying to conquer the world. You know, instead of being hungering and thirsting for righteousness, you need to hunger and thirst to, for trophies and for money and for uh, popularity, or you need to just conquer the world and get as much as you can, and that's how you're going to be happy. But Jesus comes and tells us the exact opposite of those things and says, no, to be truly happy, here are the characteristics that need to exist in your life. And then, not only does he teach us the characteristics that are blessed, he goes a step further and tells us why. And so that's what we've been looking at every week. And today, again, we're going to focus on the next one, which is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. So if you have your Bibles open this morning, I'm going to ask if you would stand with me and for the reading of God's Word in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. We're going to read verses 1 through 7 this morning. And it says in Scripture, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Now we'll stop right there and remind you. That first verse is very important. Notice who came to him, who he's teaching. It's his disciples, only disciples of Christ have the opportunity to be happy in the way that jesus teaches you don't do it apart from being a disciple of jesus okay so that we need to remember that some may want to be blessed but they don't want to be a disciple of jesus and that's not the way it works you have to be a disciple of jesus in order to be blessed okay now look at him he begins to teach him in verse 3 and listen to what he says he says blessed now again remember the word blessed means happy but not happy, about, in spite, not happy because of circumstance, it's happy in spite of circumstance, that your circumstances don't change, okay? It says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And then in verse 7, he says, blessed are the merciful... For they shall obtain mercy. Let's pray. God, today I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word. And now, as we examine it for a few moments this morning, I pray that I would decrease and that your spirit living in me would increase. And if the words would be shared today would be yours and not mine. Father, you would use these words to impact our hearts and our lives, that you would teach us something today about you uh, that we didn't know, or that you would remind us of that which we already know but had forgotten. Uh, Father, that you would encourage us and help us to truly understand what it means to be merciful and how that can truly bring blessing into our lives and that you would receive the glory for it and the honor today is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So the way we've looked at each and every one of these Beatitudes, and we're going to continue to do so throughout the remainder of the month as I was looking at our calendar today based off The different Beatitudes. The last one we'll get to will be the last Sunday of the month. The way we've looked at each of them is we've looked at the characteristic and we've really tried to figure out what that means from a biblical perspective. Then we've looked at some biblical examples of what that looks like so we kind of get a picture of it. And then we look at the reason or the cause why that particular characteristic is blessed. And so we're going to do that again today. And so the blessed characteristic that I want us to look at today is being merciful. That's what Jesus says or happy are the merciful but but what comes to your mind when you hear the word merciful or maybe maybe we'll do this one what comes to mind when you hear the word mercy the word mercy there could be all kinds of things that come to your mind when you hear that word mercy there for me when i hear mercy there are two main main thoughts that come to my mind one is a quote from a movie Um, There was a movie that came out when I was in high school. It was really popular Some of you have probably seen it you younger ones I don't know if you have or not, but the movie Braveheart If you remember that with Mel Gibson and at the very end, he's been uh, Arrested and they're torturing him uh, Because he was fighting against the king of England and while they're torturing him the the executioner looks down at him and says if you would just cry out for mercy you will feel no more pain. So almost every time I hear that word mercy, I I either think of that movie or I think of the game mercy. Some of you don't have a clue what the game mercy is. If you have kids, you probably do, because it's fun to play with your kids, uh, right? And uh, the game mercy is you grab each other's hands and then you go, and the point is to try to get them in a position where they yell out, mercy, mercy, let me go, mercy, mercy. And uh, it was always a really fun game in my life. I played it as a kid with my uh, my dad and my uncles and, and different pl- things like that. And so it was always kind of a fun game until I got to East Central on the football team. And I walked in one day and on the board real big said, conditioning, mercy. And I thought, what is mercy? Like it never clicked. And that's what they did. They They paired us up and we played mercy in the weight room for conditioning. Now, there is nothing like seeing 300-plus-pound men rolling on the floor because no one wants to say mercy. I mean, if you say mercy there, they're going to make fun of you forever. And so we rolled all over that floor. Nobody wanted to say mercy. So, yeah, we got a lot of conditioning that day. But that's really, when I hear the word mercy, a lot of times that's kind of what my mind goes to is either the game or maybe— a movie quote. For others, uh, maybe uh, here in Walika you might think of the, uh, the word or the thought of mercy rule. Because in eight-man football, there's a mercy rule. If you get up by 45 points, the game's over. Now, that doesn't exist in 11-man, so that took a little bit of time for me to get used to. When I moved to Welica, and then I realized if there's a mercy rule, you get to come home earlier. And so I kind of started to like it a little bit. And so you might think of a mercy rule. If you live down in the Ardmore area, if you hear the word mercy, you probably think of the hospital. Because the hospital in Ardmore is mercy hospital. And so you can have lots of different thoughts that come into your mind when you hear the word mercy. What I want us to do today is I want us to see what Jesus means when he says merciful. What does he mean? when he says blessed are the merciful. And so for us to do that today uh, and really get a good handle on this characteristic that he says blessed, we need to see two things. The first one is we need to see the definition of it. We need to understand what it means when he says merciful. Now, again, a lot of times words take on, uh, they change over time, okay? And so words that we may have used 20, 30, 40 years ago, then 20 or 30, 40 years later, they, they may mean something a little bit different. Uh, and in our case, and particularly when you go from one language to another, sometimes it's hard to get a direct word-for-word word, um, translation. And the word mercy is one of those words because in our day, to be merciful, if you were look it up in the English dictionary, it means simply to, to be a forgiving person, to, to not hold something against someone or forgive them or forgive someone who's wronged you. If you look it up in the Greek language, it means the same thing. It does mean to have a forgiving spirit, to show mercy by being benevolent towards someone, not because you have to, uh, being being benevolent because you see the need. It's uh, forgiving those who have wronged you. If you look it up, the word in the Greek language, that's what you're going to see. However, in the Greek language, the word for merciful carries with it the idea of empathy. Okay, now that, that's really important for us to understand. So, what does empathy mean? Empathy literally means to feel alongside someone. Okay, it's different than sympathy. Empathy is when you are around someone and you feel what they feel. You hurt when they hurt, you grieve when they grieve, you feel their grief, you feel their pain, you feel hurt that's what it means to be empathetic is is not i'm not sympathetic there's there's a difference but i'm empathetic meaning i feel what you feel and when jesus says blessed are the merciful it does mean to have a forgiving spirit it does mean to forgive those who have wronged you and to be benevolent but it's not just because you have to it's done because you feel what they feel okay you feel their hurt or you feel their remorse you feel their pain. You feel their struggle. And therefore, because you are filled with that, you, are, um, you respond in a merciful way. Now, there are some words in, in, uh, in Scripture that are really closely related. And the close, most closely related word to merciful is the word compassion in Scripture. To be moved with compassion. To see someone understand their need and then be moved with empathy for them is what it was what compassion means, and so compassion and merciful are pretty close to the same in the original language of, of scripture, and so what Jesus is saying is the characteristic that uh, is, that is given is one that forgives and shows mercy. By being benevolent out of empathy, doing this because you feel the person's pain, the person's hurt, the pain, the remorse or the guilt that they feel or the, or the um, grief they have in their life, and therefore you're moved within you to be merciful. And that's what he says is blessed. Now, uh, the, the problem with that is is sometimes we're not very empathetic with people. But most of the time, I heard when Brother Chuck said this morning, um, he's not, sometimes not very merciful. And I think all of us could relate. But one of the reasons why we're not very merciful a lot of times is because we are not empathetic towards them. What we do is we look at what they've done. And instead of looking at what they've done to us in relation to what we've done to others or what in particular we've done to God, instead of looking at it that way we we leave us out of the equation and therefore we have no empathy for them but it's easy to be merciful when you're empathetic because you are going to treat them the way you would want to be treated because you feel the same pain the same hurt the same grief that they feel and so one of our issues today that we find and the reason why mercy is not so prevalent in our culture is because we've forgotten how to be empathetic with people. Sometimes we look at them, and they do something, and then all we can think of is how do we pay them back? Or when things go wrong in their life, we look back and go, that's what you get. But that is not mercy at all. That is ignoring the person's hurt, pain, and strife. One of the things that I was taught early on, and I found it to be very true Um, in ministry and it was something i was encouraged by an older pastor is he said you need to remember when when people get on you as a pastor and it happens you've got to remember most of the time most of the time like the largest majority of the time it's coming from a hurt heart somewhere in them they're hurting and if you don't feel they're hurt and you don't recognize it, then you're going to want to respond instead of being merciful. You're going to want to do because you don't. You're not taking the time to say this person's just hurt. And, and what does a hurt person do? I mean, we know this: hurt people, hurt people. That's that's what they do. Whether or not it's physical pain, or emotional pain, or mental pain. That's what happens, and so mercy is a vital part of who we are as believers, and we ought to do that. It ought to come from us, but the only way to truly be merciful is if we have empathy. If we're not empathetic, we're not going to show mercy the way Jesus encouraged us to. Now, the second thing about understanding that characteristic that I want us to see is some facts about it. Two in particular, two specific things about being merciful. Number one, merciful people have tender hearts. People who are empathetic are empathetic because they're tender-hearted. And, and, and for years, um, I had a very tender heart, and, and I don't know that I don't anymore. I'm not sure. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. Um, but I remember where when I was a worship leader and even an early pastor where I'd get real emotional. Um, I, I cried a lot in the pulpit or trying to sing a song. I know y'all have witnessed that with me singing here before. Um, I get real emotional my father-in-law who's done ministry a lot longer than I have is 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 not as emotional. And when I was first starting in my ministry, we were driving somewhere one day and I told him the only thing that bothers me is when I'm trying to sing a song or when I'm trying to get a point across and I can't because I can't get my emotions under control enough to project what I'm trying to say. And I'll never forget my father-in-law's word of advice. He said, "Let me tell you something. You're tender-hearted." Don't ever lose that, because once it's gone, it's really hard, if not impossible, to get it back. And I think that's what happens to us as Christians. I think over time, we get hard-hearted. Our, our hearts aren't as tender to people. We, we we get wronged until we just have, it just feels like I have nothing more, I can't take anymore. I can't deal with this anymore. I don't have any more softness, and your heart begins to harden. And as your so heart begins to harden, mercy is one of the first thing that goes out the window. Because if you have a hard heart, you will not be able to be merciful because merciful people have a tender, compassionate, Heart. And we're going to look at some examples of that in just a moment. But we need to understand people that are merciful, they are willing to forgive and be empathetic no matter what. No matter who the person is, no matter what they uh, look like, uh, what they smell like, what they dress like, how they act, what they've done, we still have mercy in our life for them uh, whether or not you agree on something or not because i guarantee you in the church we don't all agree on everything. guaranteed but merciful people still forgive and still love even when they don't agree or even when they're not going to receive something in return Um, You know, some people are like, well, I'd forgive them, but they're not going to change. They're not going to change. Well, that's only forgiving, expecting return. We don't forgive expecting anything in return. That's not the way forgiveness works. And so they're not going to uh, hold back that mercy towards others, whether or not they receive something or not. Whether or not they've been incredibly hurt or crushed by that person, they will not hold back mercy and forgiveness i I've shared before, but before I met Jenna, there was a girl I really thought I was going to marry. I really did, and after we broke up before or right after I met Jenna, she had this girl that I had dated um, that I thought I was going to marry. She had two little cousins little uh eight and ten. And uh, in our relationship, I had met them. I'd taken them to play mini golf. They had hung out with us. They had come and spent the weekend in Ada with her, and we'd take them and go do stuff. So I was around them quite a bit, and I got word one day uh, on a Monday morning that on Sunday, um, those two boys and their dad had had a major car accident. One of them had died, and the other one was in critical care in Oklahoma City. Now, the relationship that we had did not end well at all. And as soon as I heard that, I, my heart broke. And all I could think of, because I knew how close this girl was to her little cousins, I heart broke for her, and I, and I went and I searched her out and I found her. And people that knew me and knew the situation couldn't believe that. And I'm not telling you this to build me up, I'm trying to give you an example They couldn't believe that. They were like, I can't believe you would even speak to her, let alone go find her and pray for her because of, I said, man, she just lost two precious people. Like our relationship didn't end well. And there may have been a point where I was hard-hearted, but that broke my heart for her, for her feeling, because I understood what she was going through. And so merciful people have tender hearts, even to the people who have hurt them the most and scarred them the most. Um, a, a second fact about those who are merciful is not only do they have a tender heart, but every believer is to be merciful. This is something all of us need to walk out. If you don't get anything else, you need to get this. Being merciful is a part of the Christian life. There's not a single disciple of Christ that's in this room that's not called to be merciful merciful. Now, I want to give you a couple verses about that. Listen to Matthew chapter 6 verse 14. Matthew chapter 6 verse 14 says, uh, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, listen to what it says in the book of James. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, because mercy triumphs over judgment. But listen to the very next verse. For what does it profit, my brethren? if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, "Depart in peace, be warned, warmed and filled, but you do not or sorry, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. the The point is scripturally. Mercy is supposed to be a part of who we are. As the decide- it's an expectation of being a follower of Christ, that the followers of Christ would be merciful to the point that we would feed the hungry, that we would house the homeless, that we would clothe the naked, that we would forgive the unforgivable, no matter what they've done, no matter who they are, no matter what their need is, that we would be filled with mercy. And the reason why is because we ourselves have experienced mercy. You see, for one who is forgiven much gives much who one who experiences mercy gives mercy And, and so we need to understand that that is now now how does that happen how does one come to the point where they're merciful in that manner by the love of God that now dwells within you as a follower of Christ. That's how you become merciful. As you grow in your Christian faith and as you walk and you you get closer to Christ, you begin to see people the way Jesus sees people. And you begin to be moved with compassion the way Jesus was moved with compassion in order to forgive them, to help them, to reach out to them and, and give them not what they deserve, but what they need. Here's a a great working definition of mercy. Because some people forget, uh, they get mercy and grace mixed up. So let me explain the difference. Grace is giving someone something they don't deserve. Mercy is withholding that which they do deserve. And that's what God has done for us in Jesus. He has withheld what we deserve by giving us mercy, and instead gives us grace and gave us what we don't deserve, which is Jesus. And so that's who we are, and as we grow in that, mercy becomes a part of our lives. Number two, the second thing uh, that we're going to cover this morning, we'll be done here pretty quick, is some examples. What are some examples of this? What's this look like, some practical examples? Well, scripturally, the best example of showing biblical mercy uh, that I could find or think of uh, shows this characteristic is the parable of the Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan, which if you don't know the story, there's a a man and he's going down this road and he, he gets robbed and jumped and beaten. They take everything from him. They beat him to a pulp. They basically leave him for dead. And then there are three people that walk by him. Two, see him, see the need, and pass on by. One of them's a religious person, one of them's a priest, okay? One of them would be uh, a Jew, which is considered a religious person, and then you have a priest that's there. And then the third person comes by and actually shows mercy. How? Well, he was a Samaritan, and in verse 33 it says he saw the distress, he saw the person in need, he saw it. Then, verse 33, it says he responded internally with a heart of compassion. It even says that, moved with compassion he went to the man. And then number thirdly, he responded externally in verse 34 by treating his wounds, helping him, putting him on his own animal and taking him into town to an innkeeper, paying the innkeeper to treat him and says, I'll be back. If he incurs any more, I'll pay that too. And he did all of this, which is probably the most amazing point of all of it, to someone who is considered his enemy. See, because Jews and Samaritans don't get along. Samaritans were the the Jewish half-breeds. That's what they call them. And they were looked down upon. They weren't supposed to talk to one another. Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well, do you remember, and starts talking to her. And she's like, why are you talking to me? That's her expectation because he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan. And they don't get along. And so Jesus, using the parable of the good Samaritan, actually is a slap in the face to the Jews. Because of all the people that should have helped him would have been the priest or the Levite. But they don't. And then here comes the Samaritan who everyone thought the worst of. And what's he do? He's moved with compassion and shows mercy on the one who needed it most. The best example of it by far is the good Samaritan. Now there's other examples. In Matthew chapter 18, there's the master whose servant owed him a lot of money, but because the servant couldn't pay him, he showed mercy on him and forgave him his debt. And then that guy didn't show mercy on someone else and ends up with the full judgment of the master on his head anyway because he wasn't willing to show mercy that he had received. There's the example, David's a great example of it, when uh, Saul and 3,000 men were going after David to kill him you know that story? And Saul or David and his men are hiding in a cave. And the Bible says that Saul goes in to take take care of his need, which literally means he was going to the bathroom. That's what Saul was doing. And when he got in there, David was able to get close enough to him to cut off a piece of his garment. But he as soon as he did it, he felt remorse for doing that. And actually went out and encountered Saul outside the when Saul had walked away, he came out of the cave and, and he yelled out to Saul and addressed him, he could have killed him. The man who's chasing him, that's trying to kill him, he could have killed with no problem whatsoever. They wouldn't even, I mean, to get close enough in a cave to cut someone's robe without them seeing you, he's, he's right there. And he doesn't. He showed mercy, even on that which was not showing mercy on him. Jesus, every time he healed someone who was lame or was blind or Had leprosy showed mercy and by dying on the cross showed the greatest example of mercy ever to us so there's all kinds of examples that we have of being merciful now the last thing this morning is what's the reason Jesus says this is the characteristic that's blessed someone who is merciful based off empathy they feel the person's grief pain hurt remorse Whatever, and they're moved with compassion, they feel what the person feels, and they respond in a merciful way instead of in a critical, harsh, angry, judgmental way. Now Jesus takes it a step further and gives us the reason. look at it again. In verse seven, he says, "Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy." It's pretty simple: Blessed are the merciful, for they shall to guarantee obtain mercy." now that sounds a little bit, if you're not careful, that sounds a little bit about earning God's mercy, doesn't it? Like if you are merciful, then you get God's mercy. It sounds a little bit like Jesus is teaching uh, gaining God's mercy, gaining salvation literally by earning it. You have to earn it. You have to earn God's mercy, but but that's a contradiction. contradiction in terms because Earned mercy, it wouldn't be, earned mercy would be a wage, right? You earn it, they pay it. You see, you go to work and you work, they pay you. Not because they like you and not because they're merciful on you, but because you earned it. They owe you that, right? So, if we earn mercy, then God has to give it to us. And that is not the way Scripture looks at the relationship between God and man. So, what does it mean? What does it mean then if he's saying this? Because it sure sounds a little bit like Jesus is teaching that God's mercy has to be earned by our mercy. We need to remember that our salvation is by grace grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. That's true, but we need to remember this. True faith has works. That's what James said. Faith without works is dead faith. And so when we have true saving faith, living mercifully comes from that. Being merciful and gaining mercy comes from true saving Let me say it like this. Mercy doesn't earn God's mercy. It proves that God's mercy is ours to have. Or or maybe say it like this. Those who obtained mercy give mercy. Those who get it will extend it to others. And only those who truly exhibit mercy have the proof of true faith. You hear this saying sometimes, The proof is in the pudding, right? I have no idea what that means, by the way. It's just a wonderful saying. The proof is in the pudding. The proof of your faith is in the outcome and the outworks of your works. And mercy is a work. You don't do it to save you. You do it because you've been saved. And then it's a proof and a guarantee that you yourself will obtain mercy. Mercy. I like the way Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 6. I quoted it a while ago. For if you forgive men their trespasses, then your heavenly Father will forgive your trespasses. Or maybe I'll close with this, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Here's the key. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. See how they work hand in hand? Forgive us as we forgive others. As we're forgiving others, we have forgiveness. Because true faith has works, and it's the proof of our saving faith that we have the guarantee to obtain mercy. So how can we be happy By being merciful, it's by having the guarantee on our life that we will obtain the mercy of God. I like what Brother Chuck said this morning. I don't want judgment, I want mercy. Because if God was to give me the judgment I deserved, I deserve death, I deserve separation from Him, I deserve to spend an eternity in a place called hell because of my sin. I don't want judgment, I want mercy. In my life and when I've obtained that mercy I then give that mercy to others the golden rule treat others as you would like to be treated I thought for a long time that was some nice statement made up by a bunch of elementary teachers I heard that in elementary school I was in high school maybe college before I realized that was actually the words of Jesus in this same sermon where he starts with the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, treat others as you would have them treat you or that you, how you would like to be treated. So we give mercy because we've obtained mercy, and that's a guarantee on our lives.